Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Well, good morning. You can grab a Bible. And if you use a smartphone or an iPad or a tablet or something, you can grab that too. Those yellow Bibles in the pews are yours for the using and for the taking. Uh, as you, I'm going to ask you, as you guys are getting ready, just excuse my voice and excuse my lack of sociability, all right? I am not very well today. Apparently, somebody was trying to knock us off track. Patrick told me this morning he was up all night with a bad stomach. I have... I have less than a good voice, and I have to share some things later today, so I hid and not talked for uh, the rest, a whole early part of the morning so I could salvage what little bit I had left. So um, I'm going to sit, maybe, and we'll see how that goes. I'm not really, can, I, don't, I don't sit well, and I don't not talk well if I'm around people, so I hid on purpose so I could salvage my, salvage my voice. So we're going to look at Hebrews, and you guys are going to jump into Hebrews chapter 11 with me. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I talked about how much I like heroes who are bigger than life, but not about not because they were bigger than life, necessarily because they had superpowers or whatever, but because their hearts were so huge, it compelled them to do things that wouldn't come easy or weren't normal. I re- referenced uh, Captain America as being my favorite Avenger because Stephen Rogers became Captain America, not because he was all that in a bag of chips, but because his heart was so huge. Another one of my favorite characters that I, that I enjoy uh, from movies and book lore, if you're a, a Lord of the Rings fan, a J.R. Tolkien person, you will know the name of Samwise Gamgee, I promise, in all the Lord of the Rings pieces. Is that me? Hello? Try that. Um, Sam Wise, he's my favorite because Sam ain't all that. And Sam is short, he's got big feet, he's kind of dumpy looking, but he's got all he needs on the inside of his chest to get done what he needs to get done. And he carries Mr. Frodo. I love that scene where they're at Gondor and those flying wraith things, dragon looking creatures are coming and Frodo walks out kind of under a hypnotic spell and Sam grabs him and shoves him down these stairs to protect him and he begins to tell Frodo he understands what all those big stories are about, that they were people who just refused to quit and that's why they became such good because they believed there was something better. And so... I don't care which one. That one works. I'll trip over the cord, my wife says. <laughs> but you can tell I'm not, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Um, but, I, you know, the kind of stories I like are real-life dramas. If you would go to my house and look at my DVD wall, my, my, my thing, you'll find those bigger-than-life kind of superhero science fiction things, and you'll find a bunch of real-life drama stuff. 
Because I like the fact that real people who have real problems overcome real circumstances and, and help other real people. I think it's really cool. And you know what? Sometimes we can take the, the scripture and we can boil, the, boil it down. There are these real super amazing, super spiritual, got all that going on, and then some people who did some stuff that we could never dream of doing, that we could never be in a million years. We, we, we think the scriptures are that, when quite, off, quite, quite honestly, they are the opposite of that. They are common, everyday people who are weak who are frail, who doubt. They are those who, 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 who have to face difficulty and oftentimes are confronted with their own weakness and their own frustration and their own darkness. And they're like, what in the world is going on? How do we get over, overcome this? And so I, I think there are people with real flaws. And, and, and so we, we, want to, uh, be, we want to be those who follow those kind of footsteps. Today we're going to look at... at, at a, a couple of people uh, who, over, who are real people who have real issues, who overcome things, not because they're great and all that in a bag of chips, but because they know they're God. They hear his voice. When all everything else seems like it's coming apart, they gravitate towards him. Um, they held close to him. And these, aren't far, these are not far from the same people we would talk mostly about during this time of the year, the people found in the Advent story, people in the Christmas story. The, the, these stories I'm going to say this morning are kind of the trailblazers. So the people we would re- regularly think about during Christmas time, during December. These were the people who blazed the trail so that Mary and Joseph and others would know where to walk. And so we're going to talk about, about them today. They were people who lived in dark, debaucherous times, just like Mary and Joseph. They are people uh, through whom God would make a way of escape, just like he did with Mary and Joseph. He made a way of escape both from Herod, but he, made, he through them made a way of escape for us. And so today we're going to talk about those people. Those characters in the first story will, 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 will help us follow uh, this story. Mary and Joseph had trailblazers that they followed, and they were the examples of what Hebrews 12.1 talks about, where it says they are witnesses to the life of faith. They are the ones that remind us to strip off every weight and the sin that so easily, in the weight and the sin, especially that trips us up and help and remind us to run with patience the race that's set before us. So if you would, look with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. We'll read about a guy uh, named Noah. Verse 7 says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save the family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes from faith. Noah teaches a few things. We're going to learn uh, some faithful lessons today. Um, I want to remind you some things about faith. Faith is not really faith unless it translates to faithfulness. You cannot claim to be full of faith and it not translate into you being faithful to what you say you believe. If, merely, if, if all it does is a belief, it does not get you very far because you can believe all sorts of things. You can believe all sorts of things and never be faithful to what you say you believe. 
It's evidence a lot of times of what we see going on in our world. We believe all sorts, of, all sorts of things, and it does not translate to faithfulness. We do not adhere to conviction. We do not adhere to, 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 to things that are, that are absolutely true in our lives. We, we do all sorts of other things and try and make ways where there seems to be no ways on our own, and we mess things up. But if, you, if you're a person of faith, not a person of belief, a person of faith, Belief is mentally giving gratitude and, 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 and acknowledgement to something. Faith is something that, come, that comes through the, the, the cortex of your brain through words you receive. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It starts here, understanding, and it seeps way down deep, about a two foot deeper than your brain, down through the spinal cord into your chest, and this thing called your heart, your soul, and it takes root, and it changes your life. And that's faith. Belief is here. Faith is here. Faith changes us. Faith is something powerful. So what does Noah teach us about faith? First thing Noah teaches about faith is that faith results in obedience. And in that obedience, it accomplishes the impossible mission God gives us. I heard Chuck Swindoll say, my, my daughter gets tired of hearing me listen to it. But every time I get in the van, I have this, this CD of Chuck Swindoll receiving a 50-year uh, acknowledgement of his work in ministry. And he goes through like a list of things that he's learned over 50 years of ministry. And, and he talks about the idea that when God has an impossible mission, he takes an impossible person and he crushes them. When God has an impossible mission, he takes an impossible person and he crushes them. Why does he do that? Because he wants them shaped and reshaped into the image and the likeness of Christ. All over the scripture, you find these people who, who thought life was going one direction, life was doing one thing, and God took them and he, he, like, he, he put his heavy hand on them. He said, I know you want to go that way. I know you want to do this thing. I know you want this to be this way. I know you want, and, he, and then he takes them and, 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 and puts pressure on them, and then they are remade into the image and likeness of Christ, and thereby more able to do the mission God's given them. And so Noah is this kind of guy. Noah it, it, it gives in to obedience in spite of the fact that it seems absolutely ludicrous. Nobody's ever seen rain. And God said he's going to send rain. Well, what in the world is that, God? Rain? What's rain? Well, you'll see water will fall from the sky. Water will fall from the sky? Never seen that, God. Don't even know what that means. Water's literally going to fall from, where's it going to come from? Don't worry about it, Noah, I got it. He, he, he gives in to obedience. It, it, this, this idea of obedience, it, obedience, this idea of faithfulness, gives us the ability to understand that which was not understood before. Noah never, never understood how to build a boat. But somehow, in him saying, okay, God, whatever you want, God gives him a download. Build it this way. And what nobody else could understand, nobody had ever made a seaworthy vessel before. Nobody needed to. Does he not want to have to sit on, the, on, the, on the, the, the waves for 365 days? And so God gives no, he understood, he understood things that could not be understood previous to that moment. 
He did not understand what rain was. He did not understand what, what storms were. He did not understand that they tell us that at that moment, the world was like a greenhouse, and it was covered around with an envelope of water, and there was a bunch of water underneath the crust of the earth, and then God caused both of them to burst forth. That's where all the rain and the flooding came from. Noah had never seen that. And so he understood things that were never understood before. He began to see what others could not see. I don't know whether God gave him a, a heavenly blueprint. I don't know how that happened. But he saw things and envisioned things nobody else could grab a hold of. He accomplished, by God's grace, things that others had never even dreamed of. The scriptures tell us that, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the hearts of men the things that God has laid up for those who love him. But, the Apostle Paul writes, he has revealed them to us. Us who? Us who are connected to him. Us who understand the, the work of his Holy Spirit. Us who endeavor to dig deeply into the word of God and uncover those things. Grace, it was given to, to, to know what to do that. You know what else it did? It gave him boldness to proclaim God's message. Can you imagine what that was? You guys ever seen, uh, what's that? Evan Almighty, anybody seen that one? It's a great flick, by the way. It's a, it's a great movie. And, and, and Evan rebuilds the ark like God told Noah. And all the stuff he has to go through and, 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 and being slammed and being made fun of and being ridiculed and, and, and all of that, that was not unlike the real story of Noah. These people mocked. These people gave Noah the hardest time. They were, the mo they, they were not unlike people of our day. They, they, they had no use for God, had no use for his plans, had no use for his word, had no use for somebody who would actually listen to him, had no use for that. And day after day for 120 years, they're watching Noah and his sons build this thing. Why are you, when's the rain? What is rain anyway? No, but when's it coming? Like, we're not, you know, you said rain's going to fall from this, water's going to fall from the sky. We don't know how that's going to happen. Look, at you're a big jerk. You're a big doofus. And he just kept living and just kept saying, I know God told me. I know God said. I know. And he began to proclaim it boys. God was going to provide a way. You know what I wonder? I wonder if, God, if, if the people would have given God a chance if he would have let his grace shine on them. Well, let us help you, Noah. If that's coming, let us help. Instead, they stood at a distance and they pointed and they mocked and they laughed. They ridiculed. And somehow, some way, we think we as followers of Christ get better in 21st century America and the world, that if we would actually say something that's actually true and that God's placed in our heart to convey that somehow everybody's going to embrace that and love us. When those who've gone on before us, their faith had to be carried out in obedience, even under difficult circumstances and times. And Noah teaches us that we've got to be bold proclaimers of his message. And his message is this, you can't work to get right, you, God imparts righteousness. God imparts it through faith. Ezekiel 14, 20 says this, As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, even if Noah and Daniel and Job were there, they wouldn't be able to save their own sons or daughters. Because we think that we can, you know, we did baby dedications last week. You, should, you missed a great service, by the way. All the way around, it was awesome baptisms and baby dedications and orphan care. It was just a great stinking day, man. I walked away here charged. I really, really did. And, 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 and we, we think, we, we, we don't dedicate babies believing that they're just in the kingdom. 
we dedicate ourselves to the nourishment of these that we so we can believe that when they're given the, the, the chance to accept Christ, they'll be able to. What this is saying here is even though Noah, even Noah did what he did, and Job did what he did, and Daniel did what he did, their children aren't saved because of that. You know what? You know how they're saved? They're, they're saved by believing in the righteousness that God gives. The righteousness God gives comes through faith. It's by grace through faith, Paul would write. Romans 3.22 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Next phrase, no matter who we are. We are saved by the righteousness that comes through faith, no matter who we are. I want you to envision the most heinous, ugly person there is. If they would come to a place of faith through grace, they would be saved, no matter who they are. Today, you are not saved because you're sitting in a pew listening to some crazy dude preach who doesn't have a voice. You are saved because... God gave you his son a way of escape, and he placed in you, the Bible said God dissed every man a measure of faith. Isn't that beautiful? And so today, if you will grab a hold of that faith he's given to you, by grace, grab a hold of the person of Christ, your life can be different. Those who you're praying for the most on that target back there, there is a way of escape. God's message through Noah is this. There is a way of escape. God provided a way of escape before the people knew there was even a problem. They did not know a flood was coming. And God said, I got it covered. They did not know that the judgment was on its way. But he said, listen, I got that covered. He provided a way. This is like the story of Christmas. Man did not realize they needed help, but God said it from the very beginning of time, Jesus would be the lamb slain. He provided a way. There is a doorway. There is a way to God the Father, and it's through the person of Christ. And if you proclaim any other message at Christmas, you're missing it. The manger is great. We don't even have one here. The manger is a great story. But without Jesus being that doorway, without him being that way, that truth, and that life, that manger story means nothing. The shepherds coming to bow down mean nothing. The wise men coming and offering gifts mean nothing. If it, if it is not a way of escape, it's just a great story. That's all it is. Make a great movie, wouldn't it? But because Jesus did come, because he did live, because he did die on a cross, because he did lie in a tomb, because he did rise from the dead, because he did promise he's coming again, because he said he would take those who, who believed him with him to a new place, all of a sudden that story, that message of the manger means everything. God was creating a doorway, an ark of safety to save men and women. And here's the thing. He wants to use you to help people find the gate. He wants to use you to help people find the door. And it may come at great cost and ridicule for you to proclaim that and to actually say you believe that. But listen, a life of faith results in obedience and enables you to do, you to do the impossible, which is see the life of a person transformed. Those baptisms last week are evidence that God's still doing what he said he would do. He's providing a way of escape. Mel, when you got in the tank last Sunday and the, the power of God and the love of God was oozing out of every pore of your being, it was awesome because she realizes she was saved. That's the story, man, and somebody cared enough to share it with her. 
maybe at the, at the expense possibly of her just staring back at him. Listen, that is the message. That's why we do what we do. Simplifying means this, that pride must give way to humility, to God's message and to his mission. They take precedence. If you're going to follow the footstep of, Mo- of Noah, you're going to follow in obedience. That means your way and your thoughts and your opinions and your ideas and your trajectory and your dreams and, your, and all that come secondarily to God's message and his mission. I don't know what Noah had going on at the time. I'm sure he probably did not have time to stop and build a boat. They were agrarian in nature. That's what the, the culture they lived in. He probably did not have time to spend hours a day working on a boat. He probably needed to be in a field somewhere trying to get his crops raised so he'd have something to eat. That's my guess. But he chose to follow God's plan and God's way. And he chose to submit himself to God's message and be a proclaimer of it. Some of us look for results. I could be a very frustrated pastor if I were Noah. The man preaches for 120 years about what's going to happen and how people can be saved. And guess who makes it onto, his bo- onto the boat? Just his family. What in the world is all that about? I mean, I'm thinking I'm probably giving up like four years in. I'm like, dude, I'm done. These people aren't listening. I don't know what to do. Let's just build a small boat, Jesus. We don't need a big one. They're not paying attention anyway. Can you imagine that? Because we think, we think good ministry means all of a sudden there's 500 people showing up. No, good ministry means being faithful. And at times, 500 people show up. Sometimes you get 500 people show up and it ain't good ministry. Sometimes you get 30,000 people to show up and it's not good ministry. Because you tell them what they want to hear and you make them feel good about themselves and you smile a lot and you're not really giving the gospel you're just making them feel good that's scary no don't mistake results with faithfulness sometimes those things do not equate Simplifying means pride must give way to humility. His mission and his message take precedence over everything else. The next little piece, we're going to drop down a couple of verses down. We're going to read about another faithful couple who really remind us a lot of Mary and Joseph. They're going to pack up and leave what's comfortable. They're going to pack up and leave where they think they're going, what life's going to be about. They think they're going to, and they have room for doubt and worry and concern, and they just truck down the road anyway. They were the people who made it possible for Mary and Joseph to understand what a, what a lifestyle of faith looks like. When God says go, you just go. When God says he'll provide a way, he'll provide a way. They learned that, Mary and Joseph learned it from these guys. Let's look at verse 8 through 10. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. So what does Abraham teach us? Abraham teaches about faith that we need a willingness to leave the certain and the familiar and the comfortable. 
Abraham teaches us that oftentimes staying with what's certain, oftentimes what's staying what's with familiar, oftentimes what's staying with what's comfortable or what everybody else is doing is not the path that God would have us walk down. Genesis chapter 12, we find the, the, the first beginnings of, of Abraham's story, and it reads like this. And his name was Abram at the time. That's another part of the puzzle. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. What's the next line? Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him, his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all was wealth. His livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. The funny part of the puzzle is God didn't even tell him where to stop. Just keep walking. Just keep going. We need to be willing to leave the certain and the familiar and the comfortable. Almost always in Scripture, when you find somebody who's following God, following his heart, what's normal for them, what's certain for them, What's familiar to them is no longer the path they can continue to walk. Gideon couldn't do that. Moses couldn't do that. Peter couldn't continue to do that. Paul couldn't continue to do that. Everywhere you look, these people we call people of faith had to get up and leave what was certain and leave what was familiar and leave what was comfortable and convenient to follow Christ. Here's what I have to say to you. If, if God is nudging you about something and it's uncomfortable... It probably is him. If you're being nudged to do something inconvenient, it's probably him. If you're nudged to do something that's uncertain, it's probably him. If you feel nudged to leave something that's familiar and a normal routine, it's probably him. All over the scripture, you'll find that common theme. Rarely does God leave somebody where they are and use them greatly. Rarely. You can't, I can't, in fact, right now, I can't think of one. Not one. Not one. And so we have to be willing, like Abram, to leave the land that's familiar and walk into a land that's unfamiliar. We have to leave, leave something that, 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 that's constant for us and go into something that, 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 that's uncomfortable. We have to be able to do that. By faith, one translation, or one commentary says, he was afterwards called Abraham, in order to become which, which was the design of God's bringing him out of Ur, obeyed. He obeyed the command to come out. This word obey, I thought was kind of, kind of a neat, neat word. It means to be obedient, to obey. But one thing, one, one, one definition means to answer the door. So many times we hear this in our chest. I don't have time right now, God. I'm busy. I know what you want. I'm not going there. Hey, God, I, I, uh, can you just leave me alone for a little bit? I got some things I have to get done. You know, God, I'm really comfortable right here, and the door's knocking, and the hand's knocking, and we're just standing here, and we refuse to answer. The word there, to obey, means to answer the door. It means to answer the Somebody's knocking. Somebody's knocking. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3.20, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens up to me, I will come in to him. 
and I will eat with him. And he says, we'll start doing life together. And I promise you, when he makes those words, he has no intention of leaving your life the same. Zero. None, nada. And I'm, I'm not talking, that letter's written not to unbelievers. That letter, when he says that, we use it oftentimes as a salvation evangelistic message. The letter is written to the church. You know what that means? He was knocking, wanting them to do something, and they just were content to stay where they were. I'm not content to stay where I am. I'm just not. I, I have found over recent months there is this tenacity that overwhelmed my soul. And it really doesn't matter to me anymore what, at what cost. It really doesn't. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm, we're going to go where God wants us to go if it kills me. And I mean that. My, my wife asked me, I need to put that on, on an audio thing and record it so when things get really bad again, you'll remember that you said that. We have that conversation pretty regularly around our house anymore. Aaron, what are you doing? What are you thinking? I'm going to talk to hopefully some connection group leaders later today, and I might get deer in the headlights looks from them. But I'm absolutely convinced it's the right way to go. I mean, I mean, with every bit of my fiber of my being, I, I'm convinced. I've been listening to Jesus knock. And I'm saying, just wherever you're leading, let's roll, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's not hold back anymore. Let's not stop. Let's not be content to stay in Ur of the Chaldees. Let's move on. Let's move on. Obey means answer the word. He, he subscribed to God's wisdom. He submitted to his will. His implicit faith and obedience are uh, implicit faith and obedience are due to God and to him only. All that are effectually called resign up their own will and wisdom to the will and the wisdom of God. It is their wisdom to do so. Though, though they know not always work their way, yet they know their guide, and that satisfies them. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You need a willingness to go, to go let go of your past identity and let God give you a new one. I had a beautiful moment a couple weeks ago, and Derek's sitting right here, so I'm going to pick on, pick on him. His brother sent him some pictures that he had on his phone or something. Derek said, dude, check this out. And there's this young buck like this. He said, look at that guy. Nothing but attitude oozing out of him. I said, that guy's dead, isn't he? He said, dude, he's more, he's, he's graveyard dead. But you see, Derek, in order for him to, to take on that nature, had to let go of the old one. He had to let go of the old identity and everything that came with that. He had to let go of what was comfortable, what was normal, what was easy, what came natural. He had to let go of and see, so for us, we have to be willing to let go. For some of you, God wants to stretch you into some things, and you're, you want to stay just you. And what Jesus is saying, I don't mind you being you, but I want the you that you look like to look more like me. And I want you to give up some things. I want you to let go of some things. Some, well, that's just me. I'm just, I'm just kind of quiet. And God's saying, say it, say it, say it. God's saying, some of you are saying, I just like being in my own house. And God's saying, go meet the neighbor. You know, I, I like being busy with my own list of chores and God saying, take time with the co-worker and stay there. Try a new identity for a change. Instead of being so strict and regimented, be footloose and fancy free. Or for me, God's saying, Aaron, start really paying attention and don't be so footloose and fancy free that you can't focus on something for a little bit. 
And that's just me. I can't be like, woo, you know. I can lose track of things really fast. But I, in order for me to be what God wants me to be, I have to let go of who I am so I can become who he wants. Abram became Abraham. Why? Because he let go of being Abram so he could become Abraham. Some of you need to let go of whoever you think you are so you can become who God wants you to be. And in that is great blessing. There is great hardship and great difficulty, but in there is great blessing. Did you read that in that promise God made to Abraham? Abram? He needed willing to live as a sojourner. This is what we struggle with. He had to, he had to be willing to live as a, as a person who had no place to live. He had to be willing to be, to be migrant. He had to be willing to not be, have everything anchored down tight. He had to be willing to, 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 to not know what, where, where tomorrow God was going to lead. He, he had to be willing to be a stranger or a pilgrim. He went into it and sojourned there as in a strange country, a country not belonging to him. I need to remind you of something here. We are not citizens of this world. And we who are followers of Christ aren't really even citizens of this land, first and foremost. We are citizens of heaven, is what Paul says. And I need to remind you, you need to live as a sojourner here. You need to live as a pilgrim. It could be that some of you sitting right here today, this may be the last year you get to live inside the confines of the boundary of the United States of America, and you have to be okay with that. For others of you, it might be the last time God let you reside inside of Ross County or Pickaway County or whatever county you live in. And he's saying, listen, I want you to do something else. You're going to be willing to live as a soldier. For some of you, that might mean living, moving from a neighborhood that's comfortable and nice and easy into a place that's maybe a little bit run down because God wants to shine light in the darkness. It might mean moving from a job that's really easy for you and going into a new job that's very difficult, maybe even pays less, so you can be what God wants you to be. It may require that, but you as a follower of God, as the seed of Abraham, must be willing to live as a sojourner. You must. Nothing less than that is acceptable. Those guys in the boat drop their nets to follow Christ. Paul drops his status as a Pharisee and follows Christ. I mean, no matter where you, Moses had to stop first being, we'll talk about him in a couple of weeks, had to stop being the son of Pharaoh to become a fugitive, to become a shepherd, to go be God's mouthpiece. His, his life was nothing but fluctuation and upheaval. Nothing. That's how, and that, the, the, Joseph, I mean, go down the list of Joseph from Genesis. His life was all over the place. Couldn't settle too long, too much, too far. And someplace he settled, he didn't want to be there, like prison. Another thing, he, he did not serve as an injectment or raise a war against the old inhabitants to dispose to dispossess them, but contented himself to live as a stranger, to bear their unkindness patiently, to receive any favors from them thankfully, and to keep his heart fixed upon his home, the heavenly Canaan. He dwelt in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. He lived there in an ambulatory moving condition, living in a daily readiness for his removal, and thus should we all live in this world. He had good company with him, and they were a great comfort to him in the sojourning state. We had to be willing to be ambulatory, move, that tomorrow the, the, all, the, ta the, the, the table could turn, and we need to be and do something else. Simplifying Here's the other part of it. 
This is when that we can never get away from this part. You have to be, have the willingness to leave a legacy. We're sitting here today because Abraham is our father of faith. And if we don't look, God, God tells him in that promise in Genesis 12 that he would make a great nation of him, that he would be the beginning of something new on the planet. And listen, we have to live in such a way that we absolutely believe God would use us to ensure a legacy to his own glory and to his own name for his own purposes. I should not be content just that, that, that my kids make it on the ark. Oh, that is a priority of mine. I am content, I am content to leave a, not just a physical, biological legacy. I am content only to leave a spiritual legacy. My kids prayerfully are a part of that, but hopefully it, it, trans, it transcends way bigger than just my four and no more. Prayerfully, all of us leave an... All of us leave the hint of the knowledge of Christ wherever we go. That there is a spiritual heritage. We should endeavor to want to become spiritual parents. Abram wanted to be a father. Abraham wanted to have a, a, a lineage. We should want that same thing for God's kingdom. We should want to leave a spiritual heritage. We should want to leave more of the seed of faith on the planet after we leave than when we got here. We should want to be spiritual parents and spiritual grandparents and spiritual great-great-grandparents because if we don't, we have missed the boat anyway. Abram reminds us to leave a legacy. That's it. We simplify. Again, that means pride must give way to humility, to his message and his mission. We have to pack up and leave the familiar and the comfortable and be willing to chase after God. His wife, Sarah, reminds us, and, and, and his focus was eternity. Did you get that? He looked for a city not made with hands, whose foundations are eternal. That has to be our focus. In order to simplify eternal eternity has to be the thing we focus on has to be hebrews 11 11 tells us about sarah it was by faith that even sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old she believed that god would keep his promise and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead a nation who, with so many people like that, like the stars in the sky and the sands of the seashore, there's no way to count them. Sarah teaches us a few things. Like Mary, she teaches us a few things. The necessity of following, even though it seems silly. Just, just, babe, come up here for a second. Come up here for a minute. Imagine this conversation at your home, like, tomorrow. How was your day, babe? Say that. My day was great. Guess what? God told me something. We're moving. We're, 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 she's not lying. She's not lying. She's not lying. My kids and I are a thorn in her flesh. Winter in and winter out. <laughs> You're supposed to say, where are we going? Where are we going? I have no idea. I have. Can you imagine that? Why? Imagine that. Your husband comes home all messed up. Like, dude, guess what? Guess what? We're moving. And you're like, okay, where? I don't know. 
pack up now. Let's pack up now. Let's go. All of you guys are going, no way. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. What about, what about school? What about food? What about refrigerator? What about the moving costs? What about what is the neighborhood like we're moving into? Who are we going to be around? What kind of jobs are we going to have? What we, and, and so Abram shows up and Sarah goes, okay. Sarah teaches us the necessity of following even though it seems silly. Even though we don't know where it's going, Sarah teaches us that to be people of faith, sometimes we have to follow when it seems silly, like it seems like the last thing on the planet you choose to do. It seems like she, th- th- they would grab hands together and go, okay, we're just going to start walking. Imagine me load, loading up the U-Haul and me and Rachel driving down the road. When are we stopping? I have no idea. I don't know where we're going. I don't know when we're, when we're going to get there. I don't know that either. Do we have enough money to buy enough gas to get us there? I don't know. And Abram's answer to every question is, I don't know. What about this? I don't know. What about that? I don't know. What about this? I don't know. What about the kids? I don't know. What about this? And God also said, we're going to have kids. Right now she go, shut up. We've had that conversation too. <laughs> no more of that. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Sometimes you can sit down now. Sometimes you got to follow the silly. And sometimes that means it's the first. You know what? Sarah also says this, that God can use the evens. And the odds, but the evens. It says right there that even Sarah, fill in the blank, even Sydney, even Derek, even Melvin, even Chris, even Daryl, even Tori and whoever this guy is sitting next to you, even Mel and even Patrick and even Jim, even Sherry, even Wayne, and even Amy, whoever is an even, you know, whatever, it's impossible. God can even do it in your life. Sarah teaches that God can use the evens. Even Sarah, though she was old, could still bear children. Crazy. Even though she didn't know where she was going or how she was going to end up or where they were going to live or anything like that, God could still use her even though she God was going to bring something or someone to be birthed in this planet because he could use even her. What does God want to use you for? Even you. Because some of you have the idea that, oh, yeah, it's easy for God to use Aaron, but God can even use you. God could use Billy Graham. But God can even use you. God could use Hudson Taylor, but yeah, God can even use you. God could use Amy Carmichael, yeah, but God could even use you. God could use Peter, yeah, but God could even use you. He wants to even use you. It's impossible. Here's another thing Sarah teaches us. It's possible to overcome initial doubt and arrive where God wants you to on time. They named Isaac, Isaac. You know why? Because she laughed. When the message is sent through God, to, to Abraham from God about this baby being born, she's off in the corner of this tent somewhere as, as Moses or no, Abraham and the messenger are talking, and she hears the, 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 the affirmation of the promise, and she laughs. She even tries to work some things out her own way and sends Hagar to go be with Abram, and they have a son named Ishmael. You know the whole story. And she doubted, and, and she was weak, and she was frail, 
But she came to grips with the one who called. She came to grips with the one who said, I will do this. And she held tight. And even though she had doubted, she arrived at the right spot on time. She delivered him just like God promised. She delivered him just like he said, at the place he said, the way he said. She gave birth to a son being up in years and revolutionized and changed the entire planet. What's God want to do through you? What have you been doubting God might want to do? You've heard that knocking, and you may even cracked the door open and heard the message. And when you heard it, you maybe laughed like Isaac, like, like, like Sarah did. But listen, today, understand something. If you will grab a hold of the hand of God, it's not too late. Even though you, you may have great doubt, even though you may have great fear, maybe you be, may be in great wandering about what's going to happen and great wandering about how it's going to come down. Listen, grab a hold of the hand of God right now, today, and choose to believe his word over your own thoughts and your own intellect and your own ideas and what everybody else says because God can even use you and he wants to. Even Sarah, old as she was, believed God had promised Hence, she received power, the word, word picture of the New Testament say. Simplifying means pride must give way to humility again. His mission and his message, they take precedence always. Sarah shows us this by moving and going because she trusted God and she trusted the, the, the people God had put in her life to guide her. She trusted the leaders, the leader from Abram. She trusted his heart. She knew he wanted to follow God more than anything else. She knew he didn't have all the answers, but she knew he was, he was a man after God's heart. And so she followed. A lot to learn there. A lot to learn there. God's deeds are always perfect. I'll remind you of that. Deuteronomy 32.6 tells us that, that all God's deeds are perfect. We might understand them. We may not get it. We, from our small, finite minds, try and look at things and equate things, and they don't add up. It's okay. His leaders are always imperfect. God's ways are perfect. He's perfect. But his leaders are always imperfect. Abram didn't get it all right. Think of the answers with Hagar. Think of the, the accounts of what happened in Egypt where he lies. But he had a heart after God. He wasn't perfect. But he, he had a heart after God. You can trust the hearts of those. Mary and Joseph had to do the same thing. They had to be humble, humble, and simply follow what God said, even though it didn't make sense. Read Matthew 2 about God coming to, 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 to Joseph and saying, listen, follow, follow this plan, Joseph. He had to follow at great cost to himself. Great gossip in the camp, in the village. Did you see what? Do you know Mary's pregnant? Do you know, you know her and Joseph aren't really married yet? Do you know that da 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 He had to choose to follow. Even though it seemed silly, even though it seemed like it was not the, the correct way of doing things. The reason we simplify is because we have to find him. It would seem almost in Abraham's life that the more he followed, the more clear the voice of God became. It would seem, watching Paul's life, that the more he followed, it seemed the more crystallized his vision of Christ became. It would seem the more he simplified and, and subjected everything to the plan of God, Jesus, the mission became more clear as he sat in the 
Garden of Gethsemane. It would seem that the more you follow, the more you find him. It would seem the more you're willing to be a sojourner, the more clearly he speaks to you. It would seem the more you're willing to trust him, the more loudly his voice becomes. It would seem that, 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 that as we choose to let go of our identity, the more clearly he speaks and, and shows us his ideas and his thoughts. It would seem that way from the scripture. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you even you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is that beautiful? God will do this, and he's invited you, even you, into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God will do this. You may not be able, and you may not be capable, and you may think it's silly, and you may be frustrated, and you may be doubting, and you may feel like you're vexed by darkness all around. Noah was vexed by the darkness around him. At times, Abraham was to to watch Sodom and Gomorrah burn. He was vexed by things. Think about it for just a second. You may look around this planet and look around your family and look around your neighborhood and look around the news and, look, and be vexed to the heart and think somebody's got to do something. And God says, yeah, even you. I want to use you to alter the world, to alter eternity, to alter history. But you've got to walk with me. You've got to find me being faithful. Trust me, and we'll get somewhere. You know what's funny? Abraham dies. God promises him a bunch of seed so big that they're like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore. And when Abram dies, guess how many there are? And one of them's a problem child. Because we, we can't equate things on this side of heaven. We can only equate the results of faithfulness and God's plan from the other side. We can't gauge from this side. We have to look from eternity through eternity to what God's doing right here, right now. The idea of being faithful comes because we know him, the one who's called true and faithful. Jeremiah 29, 13 reads like this. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nation where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Take it to the bank. And your land's not here, in case you're wondering. It's not here. He will bring you home again to heaven where your identity began. He knew you before the foundation of the world. He will bring you home again. Have you given into humility to his message and mission? I don't know. Have you turned your focus to eternity? I don't know. Have, have, have you, are you ready to move? Are you ready to move and ensure a legacy of faithfulness? Are you ready to do that? Some of you this morning, probably in doubt, about whether God could even use you or not. Some of you probably are vexed by what you see. Vexed by what you see in your own family. Vexed by what you see in your own neighborhood. Vexed by what you see in your own city. Vexed by what you, what you see in, 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 in your friends. Maybe vexed by what you see on the news. Maybe Just like Noah, just like Abraham, you feel that pressure. And what God would say to you today is this. 
Keep following me. Keep trusting me. Keep looking to me. Some of you right now are unsure about where you are going, where life is headed. Some of you have no, you just, you just feel like you're just walking and there's no destination in sight and don't even have a time frame and don't even know what to do. Can I promise you something? The one who saw you being formed in your mother's womb, the one who said he wrote, uh, who, who saw all the days of your life before him came to be and already has them written down, says just keep walking with me, we'll sort it out. Just keep walking with me. We'll figure it out. If I'm in doubt, if I'm vexed, if I don't know where I'm going, what do I do? Listen, you turn towards God first and foremost. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us this, to, 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 to lean not on our own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge Him. That means have close personal contact with Him in all of our ways, and He will direct our path. Turn to God. Turn to His Word. Stop listening to the gossip at work. Stop listening to the bad news on the news. Stop listening to those who think you're an even. God would never do that in your life. You've got to be crazy. Start listening to what God says and stop listening to everything else. Turn towards his mission. Some of you are vexed. You know why? Because God told you 15 years ago to do something. And he's still going, and you feel like life has run into a brick wall. It's not a brick wall. It's a door you refuse to open. He's knocking. I want you to answer the door of obedience. That's why you don't know where life is going. That's why. Because he's knocking and you refuse to answer. Well, I'm weak. Yes, you are. Just like Noah. Well, I'm weak. Yes, you are. Just like Abraham. Well, I'm weak. Yeah, yes, you are. Just like Sarah. Just like Abel. Just like Enoch. Just like the rest of them. Just like Mary. Just like Joseph. Just like the shepherds. Yeah, you are. But God would like to display his greatness through you and to you and by you. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.